If you enjoy listening to Voices in Cloud, check out David Linthicum's reports on gigaohm.com. They're about data complexity and cloud solutions, addressing many of the topics covered in this podcast series. Hey guys, welcome to the GigaOM Voices in the Cloud podcast. This is the one place where you hear from interesting thought leaders providing no-nonsense advice on how to succeed with cloud computing, IoT, edge computing, and cloud computing. I'm Dave Lindcombe, best-selling author, speaker, executive in B-List Geek, and today my special guest is Vanessa Alvarez, and she has 15 years with the tech industry. I still learn something new every day by reading her stuff, um, and she has taken research execution with uh, everything between, uh, you know, working for companies. I believe you work for Forrester, is that right, uh, uh, Vanessa? Yes. I did, yes. And also AWS and now with now with Microsoft and startups in Silicon Valley and basically focuses on the market. So give us the uh, give us the Vanessa Alvarez story, uh, you know, 10 years back because I've been, uh, you know, speaking with you at conferences. I think we did a couple of podcasts before. Yeah. Um, talked to you when you were at Forrester. Um, you've had a pretty cool career. So give us the highlights. Yes. So first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, It's been quite a decade, hasn't it? We're having these uh, similar conversations 10 years ago uh, when I was at Forrester. uh, And at the time, I think we were talking about what customers should be doing, where cloud was going, uh, what we thought cloud would be, uh, would hybrid be real. Uh, And here we are, fast forward 10 years later, and customers are actually doing this. Uh, which was pretty exciting for me then, uh, why I decided to leave and, and roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty at a few startups in Silicon Valley, uh, which led me to AWS, and now I'm living the dream in Seattle at Microsoft. Uh, always in the cloud space, uh, always very interested in seeing you know, what our customers are doing, uh, what enterprises are doing with cloud today. You know, We've gone all the way from the beginning now to what I still call the beginning, sort of the second phase of the beginning, if you will. Uh, and it's actually really exciting to see enterprises doing things in the cloud today in both public uh, and high, in hybrid environments, right? So, um, I, you know, I, I still talk to customers every day. Uh, it's what I'm passionate about. It's really listening to the customers' um, problems, challenges, why they're moving into you know different technologies and different spaces. Um, a lot of industries today are seeing so much disruption from startups, uh, and so some of them, you know, quite frankly, have been forced to make moves, uh, which is always a good thing. So, where are enterprises today? Do you think? Because I, I hear differing opinions on how many uh, workloads are out there and whether it should include SaaS-based workloads or not. And mm-hmm. and obviously, I'm working with enterprises now uh, where people are actually doing huge migrations and even some major refactoring and relocating things to uh, uh, to containers and Kubernetes and you know all the things that are going on out there. But love to get your perspective on on um, where you see the market today and where do you think the growth is going to be for the next couple of years. Yes. So, so like I said, you know, I feel like it is still the beginning a lot uh, for enterprises, right, in mainstream. Um, it's sort of that second phase, I, I call it, where um, the first phase was test dev, you know, in the public cloud. Let's play a little bit with, you know, um, you know testing and developing some applications in the public cloud, but nothing really mission critical, uh, certainly no migration of mission critical workloads. Uh, But now phase two sort of brought us, you know, to uh, 
a lot of the more forward-thinking enterprises starting to uh, trust, uh, if you will, the cloud, or maybe not entirely trust, but uh, but certainly be prepared for um, and anything in the public cloud should anything happen. Uh, and whether that's reliability and stability, or whether it's you know making sure that you have replications of your environments in, in different areas. Um, a lot of enterprises are starting to be much more prepared in that sense. Uh, and so I'm making the, you know, big migrations of mission critical workloads to uh, the public cloud. In some instances, they're doing hybrid, right? Uh, so they trust public. It's certainly not a question of security anymore, I think. To some extent, uh, the security models have been proven, and um, customers understand that that there is a shared responsibility in the public cloud for security. Um, but for one reason or another, whether it's regulatory and compliance, whether it's um, you know scenarios where they need to be either disconnected or they just can't be in the public cloud, there is you know a hybrid environment where they can have some of their workloads on premises and in the cloud. Um, the, some of the different things that I see happening today uh, that is uh, pretty interesting to me is the use of things like containers that allow you to bridge that, uh, that environment, right? Or having you know, on-premises uh, cloud uh, systems that allow you to extend the benefits of public cloud into your own data centers. For example, um, that, those are the things that are super interesting to me because it does enable enterprises to really take advantage of cloud benefits uh, at their own pace, right? Whether it's because of those regulatory compliance challenges or because they just simply, the organization is not ready, uh, they can do it at their own pace. Um, what that pace is really is determined by each unique uh, organization. As you know, in larger organizations, it takes some time to make those shifts. So um, I think we're seeing a lot of those um, enterprises really starting to move further along uh, in the whole process. And you know, some in some cases, a lot of organizations will be in this phase for some time, uh, and that's okay. Right. Every every business has its own requirements and its own unique challenges. So I think it's just a matter of being able to um, have choice for them. So we're at a point right now where uh, the majority of the research and development that's occurring in the technology space is occurring in the cloud space. So do you think that's driving a lot of the decisions where we're in, in essence, the enterprises have no choice that if that is, that's where the technology is going and this, we've seen this before, you know, moving to the internet, intranet based development, service oriented architecture, uh, but not as much of a systemic change as cloud computing brings. So what kind of challenges do you think the enterprises will face in the next few years as they are uh, in essence, kind of get into a force march for cloud, for lack of a better term? Yes. So I think that, the most important challenge uh, is the organizational challenge, right? The people. Uh, I think we're starting to move into, and we're probably dating ourselves here for a bit, but uh, the new millennial workforce coming into uh, leadership in some of these large IT organizations, right? Uh, who have not been accustomed to uh, 
the traditional technologies that have been used in the past uh, and have grown up in the cloud, right? Um, born in the cloud, so to speak. Uh, and so those are the skill sets that they're bringing to the table and that they want to um, implement, right? To take their businesses forward. And uh, it's not wrong, right? We do need to make that shift, but I think that's gonna be a fundamental forcing factor to a lot of organizations uh, where you're gonna have, you know, sort of the, um, status quo exiting for, uh, you know, whether it's retirement or whether whatever it may be, and having sort of a new generation of a workforce coming up and, um, and being able to move quickly, be agile, uh, and have a different structure for their IT organizations than the traditional, right? And that's where you start to see things like DevOps, um, you know, and some of these these other best practices for um, IT organizations uh, where they're much more nimble, even in large organizations, as, as nimble as you can be anyway. Uh, and so I think that's going to be a forcing factor for a lot of these organizations being uh, pushed along if they're not being uh, aggressive themselves. Um, so for me, you know, I think that's really the biggest challenge and where we're going to need to see a lot more um, development uh, in terms of what that leadership style looks like. Uh, is it a different uh, structure altogether? You know, I think when we looked at cloud a decade ago, many people were afraid that IT jobs would go away when in fact they didn't. You know, they just... Um, became, you know, a different skill set that you needed in order to be in IT. And I think we'll continue to see that evolve, um, particularly with these newer technologies that are coming that pretty much eliminate the need for, you know, any kind of maintenance of infrastructure or any, you know, even to some extent coding, right, and programming. Uh, a lot of these technologies are really making it much more easy to, um to develop applications, uh, to move quickly. So uh, I think that the IT role as we see it even today continues to evolve and that's gonna be uh, forcing that function. Yeah, it is gonna be changing a tremendous amount with the advent of DevOps. And it seems like whenever I'm doing a cloud uh, migration or cloud uh, strategy, you know, DevOps really kind of comes along for the ride. And ultimately, IT needs force to drive things in areas that are much more innovative than they're used to. You know, think about DevOps as a perspective. The fact of the matter is that we're automating development and we're getting to a step where we're able to des design and deploy applications in mere seconds and get them up on the cloud and have them provisioned and have them up and running in production and have them security tested and performance tested and all these quality assurances, which would typically take us months, you know, back in my day of, as a developer. And IT is kind of faced with the fact that they end up being the limiting factor for adopting this technology. Not that they want to be, but the fact of the matter is they have an IT, they have a business to run. They have different technologies they have to leverage, uh, which maintain their legacy stuff and their ability to kind of move into this direction is kind of almost in a natural act based on the IT shops that I know. What are your thoughts on this? I, I agree. And I think, um, I think, we have seen it for some time now, particularly in those organizations that have been, you know, more of the forward thinkers where they've kind of jumped into the water and are trying to really move from a technology perspective. 
um, and are trying to align their IT organizations to to, to the technology roadmap uh, and moving towards sort of a DevOps model. Um, and I think that when you take a look at IT today, it goes back to the you know uh, workforce, right? Which is they're very different coming in with different skill set, and they have grown into these organizations where they're ultimately going to take leadership, and so um, they will ultimately accelerate the the DevOps process, if you will, uh, and hopefully align with you know the technology the way technology is moving just as quickly. Yeah, I think that uh, ultimately that's going to be the case and IT is going to have to adapt and I think that's going to be the the biggest challenge for them in the next few years. So so what are the emerging technologies that are uh, IT can embrace today that really will truly make a difference? You know, I think things like containers, um, serverless, you know, anything that has to do with automation, there's just so much out there today. Uh, and, and when we take a look at containers, I would say that uh, you have to look at it in a much more holistic approach of how containers fits into your strategy. Um, you know, I think it, we've seen containers emerge in the last few years, and it sort of reminds me of when people were doing tests and dev in the cloud, right? They're taking containers and using them for t- tactical um, initiative uh, or project-based initiative. And so how do you take that and make it part of your st- overall strategy, um, cloud strategy, whether it's for you know a particular um, business unit within your organization uh, or whether it's, it's your whole strategy, right? But how do you integrate these technologies uh, not just containers, but, you know, serverless as well overall. Uh, and then, you know, how does that impact your IT organization, right? I mean, these technologies are becoming so much more automated every day. Uh, and so what? how do you refactor your IT organization to still add value, right, uh, and, uh, and be able to contribute to the business? Um, I think that's really, you know, some of the impact that these newer emerging technologies will um, will deliver. So I think you know, as we see them emerge, uh, it will have that impact on people. And seeing that evolve is going to be interesting. So are we going too far too fast with some of the new shiny objects? The server, you mentioned a few of them: containers, yeah. Kubernetes, serverless development. We have machine learning. Yeah. Uh, big data systems, advanced analytics. In fact, uh, you know, at the Google Next conference last week, they announced 29 new AI uh, uh, services, and we're probably going to see the same from the other cloud providers as well. So how much is too much? When should enterprises kind of, um, you know, make sure that they're not moving so fast they're going to make mistakes? It's a good question. I mean, we're moving so fast, you're right. And I think as we move into these um technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence where there's much more than just a technical component, right? There's also ethics involved and, you know, what, how much is too much, right? Where do you kind of draw the line for that? Um, for enterprises, again, being able to be agile is important and that goes back to, you know, your organizational structure. You know, how do you have the right structure in place to move this quickly? 
Um, and I think it all comes down to what the business is asking for, right? Um, as I mentioned earlier, there's so much disruption ha happening in industries, right? Where you see the Airbnbs and the Ubers of the world, but even in, in other industries, you you know, like you know, grocery and, and um, healthcare, you see a lot of these emerging startups forcing traditional players to move quickly to, uh, to be able to adapt to their environments. And so that pressure comes down to what kind of technologies are you using to, um, to be able to combat that and maintain your, you know, your leadership or your, your place in the industry. Uh, and then that sort of comes down to, okay, we're, we have to use these technologies and we need to move quickly. And what are you doing, my IT organization, to make this happen? Um, and that's sort of the pressure that's going to start to come down much more so on on IT as these um, business impact you know impacts happening in, happen in each industry. Um, so you know I think for IT organizations again having the right structure in place is important, uh, but you know being able to have the right skill sets in your organization that. Uh, can speak to these new technologies, right? Um, whether that's a shift in your workforce, whether it's reskilling your your existing organization, um, it's you know whether it's a combination of those things. The the fact of the matter is that they need to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does make sense, and I think it is going to be a, a kind of a balancing act that businesses need to do. The big thing that I, that I'm kind of learning as I'm you know out there working with these big clients is that. Yeah. Ultimately, it's a trade-off with budgets and what, what we're looking to do. And I'm trying to get them to a more effective and efficient state where we're able to do, you know, leverage technologies, a force multiplier, and uh, disrupt the disruptors that are getting into their business. Uh, but at the end of the day, they have a certain budget limitation they live up to and a certain amount of complexity and a certain speed that they can move. So where do we go from here? So this will always keep you in business, I guess, I guess right? Well, yeah, but I, I mean, it's ultimately, you're looking to yeah. you're looking to be a trusted advisor for a company that's trying to do the right thing. And the the thing is, it's the reality is it it is a balance of aggressiveness. We just kind of yeah. talked talked about this. Yeah. Their ability to kind of stay in the market and also uh, the ability to kind of run their traditional business and leverage technology as something that's going to be effective for them. And that becomes you know, the issue, it's never, you know, about let's chase the shiny object, let's do everything in containers right. and serverless and AI, things like that. You know, let's look at the ways in which we can improve the business. And at the same time, look at the ways in which we can do innovative things that are going to disrupt the marketplace, which other, you know, other folks mm -hmm. are going to disrupt. I mean, we're going to have uh, the big, uh, you know, big disruptors out there. We know about the Ubers and the, and the Airbnbs, but we're going to you know, get the same thing for insurance and banking and healthcare and, yeah. you know, things coming down things coming down the line where you have these major players that in essence are going to be blindsided by these organizations very much like the, you know, taxi, uh, you know, the taxi uh, companies were blindsided by Uber and uh, the okay. same way that the hotels were blindsided by Airbnb. So where's the balance and, uh, you know, where do we go from here? I know. So you're right. It is a balance, right? It's a balancing act for a lot of these large organizations who have been incumbents in their industries for a long time. Uh, but my question is always, you know, do these organizations, do they go out and take a look at 
what's happening in their industry, right? I think a lot of organizations today tend to, and, and you know, rightfully so, um, say have a tunnel vision, for lack of a better word, uh, and stay within their own world uh, internally and don't really go out and look at what's happening in the industry, right? And so being able to have that capability inside your organization, someone who can go out and look to see what's happening. If if your organization is so big, and we've seen this in many cases in the industry where um, the, you know, whether it's it's management, whether it's it's people, and it usually is, um, internally, it's just not allowing the company to move quickly enough. Um, but you have to have some kind of capability within your organization to be able to go out there and look at the industry and see what's happening. Uh, and, and be transparent, right? Transparency at the end of the day is important. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in growth mindset, right? I think that you really need to have, have um, transparency, honesty, and be able to think outside of your own four walls, right? And be able to bring innovative ideas to the table quickly um, from anywhere within the organization and give people that opportunity. You just never know where you're going to be able to find those ideas. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, you, we talk about budget, right? And, you know, my thinking is if you don't put the necessary capital in place to make these moves, there's going to be no capital, right? And we've seen that uh, happen in our industry where, you know, some of the largest players of a particular industry have, have fallen. And, um, and I think that if you don't, have the right mindset in place to be able to make those calls and say, this is, you know, my innovation budget or whatever it may be, um, then, then you're on the losing side of this battle. Boy, that's great advice. Um, so I hopefully people heed it because I think it is going to be a, a bit of a brand apocalypse over the next 10 years as people do kind of uh, get blindsided by companies and, and perhaps rightfully so, they're gonna disrupt their areas. Anyway, please pick up a copy of my book, Cloud Computing and So Convergence, available on Amazon and other places books are sold. Also make sure to follow me on Twitter at David Linthicum, L-I-N-T-H-I-C-U-M, as well as LinkedIn, where I have several cloud computing courses on LinkedIn Learning. So Vanessa, where can we find you on the web? You can find me on Twitter at Vanessa Alvarez One. And uh, make sure you make sure you uh, subscribe to her right now because she's one of the better voices in the industry. She always has pragmatic advice, as you saw on this podcast. And let's not make it another ten years, Vanessa. Let's get you back on the podcast before that. How does that sound? Would love to. <laughs> See you next time. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Cloud, please check out the other ones. Removing hybrid and multi-cloud complexity is the focus of a report that David wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about taking IT to the next level, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.